All right, how many of you, if you, after church today, would love to go get some Chick-fil-A? I didn't say they're open. Let's say you want to go get some today. It's not a trick. How many of you wish they were open today? Yes, Chick-fil-A is the best. How many of you get that off-brand Chick-fil-A from Sam's? If you don't know what that is, you need to go grab you some, especially that spicy Spice is so good. Anyway, so, so Chick-fil-A, you know, um, there's a book called Good to Great, and in that book there's a story that's told uh, about Chick-fil-A, and they were trying to beat their competition to the market. They wanted to have more franchises than anybody else. They wanted to put up stores everywhere because if you could get there, you could corner the market, right? You could have, have uh, some customer customer loyalty, and so they're trying to grow quick, and you have all this competition between uh, churches and uh, not ch- church churches. It's Texas chicken now. I didn't know it was ever Texas, but y'all seen the new sign. All right. So so and then uh, Popeyes. I call it. If you're from the south, it's Popeyes. Popeyes and and so they're trying to beat all of them to the market. They they won't have. They want to just grow big. They want to grow large. They're trying to grow fast. And in that meeting. They're, they're arguing over this, all the heads. And finally, the founder of KFC, he's at the end of the table. He hadn't said much the whole time. And they finally look at him and ask him what he thinks. And this is what he said. He said, when we get better, our customers will demand that we get bigger. It's pretty good, huh? You know, uh, same kind of thing with... Uh, um, Billy Graham, y'all know Billy Graham, y'all have heard of Billy Graham, one of the greatest evangelists of, I should, I can't say our time anymore, but my time, I guess. Um, but Billy Graham, he said this, he could tell how big of a response or how God would deal with people, he could gauge that. He would know how many people would come forward and accept Christ and by one one number, he used one number to gauge this, and he said it was pretty accurate every time. By how many people volunteered to help with his crusade? Most specifically, how many people signed up to be a counselor? And then he would say, God won't send anybody that you're not ready for. And, and so for today, you're like, what does that have to do with anything? Well, it has a lot to do with um, this last sermon in the sermon series, Mighty Women. It also has a lot to do with who we are as a church. And this, this message is going to be from Luke chapter 1, if you want to turn there. And it's about Mary. So it's a Christmas story. Y'all like, anybody listen to Christmas music already? Yeah, we got one in the back. Y'all can repent after the service. It's okay. Now, you can listen to Christmas music all year. That's fine. Not a problem. Isn't that right, Glenn? Yeah. <laughs> Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, is that anybody's favorite? Yeah, Glenn's, that's your favorite. I was just asking. Anyway, so... Um, <laughs> y'all done got me off track. But Christmas, this is a Christmas story, and it's okay. You can have the, uh, the Christmas during the middle of the summer, right? Well, for us, this is going to really show us how sometimes we get things confused, and we think life is really all about us when really it's about serving first God and then serving other people. Amen. And, and really, we used to say this a lot, and you know how you get out of the practice of saying things, and we should really get back to this, but when people come here, we want them to know two things. One, we want them to know that God loves them first and that we love them. And sometimes we have to love them 
for them to understand that God loves them. And so those are the two things, two most important things. We do everything so that people will know that God loves them first and that we love them also. And, and so it's, it's this idea for us as we dive into this that service is important. And as we think about as a church, if we're going to grow, what determines the size of a church? It, most often what, people look to the music, people look to the preaching, but really what determines the size of a church and how many people can be reached with the gospel is how many people are willing to serve God and serve other people. Amen. That's, and, and so you can have the best preaching, the best music, but if you don't have people that see and understand, like we're going to see here with Mary, understand that their, li- their lives are about serving, then the church can only grow, like Billy Graham would say, to the number of people who volunteered to help counsel, help bring them in, because God won't send you anybody you're not ready for. And you know, on the other hand, you can have, have you ever been to a church and the church is just packed and it's just overwhelmed and people are hanging, uh, you know, out the windows and off the rafters and like the music's just, uh, and the preaching's like, eh, and you walk out going, what in the world? How, how do they have all those people? Well, because they have the people that are in place to uh, serve and to love on the people that show up. Let's look at how this applies to us. Mighty women. We want to look at Mary. I do want to throw this out there. Sometimes we, especially here in our culture, our religious culture, we, we, don't, we don't look at Mary and give her the respect that she deserves. And some of that is because there's been, uh, you know, some misunderstandings of who Mary is, and so we, we recall too far back. For example, some of the things that some people believe about Mary that the Scriptures do not support is, is one, some people believe that Mary was without sin, that she never sinned. But the Scripture doesn't say that. The Scripture actually tells us there's only one that never sinned, and his name is Jesus, Amen. okay, and not Mary. So Mary was a woman that did sin. Now, should we still look at her and, and admire her life and pattern our life after her? Absolutely. The same way that Paul says, um, I follow me as I follow Christ. We should follow Mary as she followed Christ. Yeah. Also, another thing that some people would say about her is that she also, like Jesus, that she also did not have an earthly father, that she was uh, conceived immaculately, immaculate conception, but that's not true. She had an earthly father and an earthly mother, okay? And, 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 and this is what we see in Scripture. Jesus is the only one who did not have an earthly father, okay? And, but, but Mary, again, still needs to be honored. We shouldn't just throw her off to the side. We shouldn't just think of her as just a poor little girl who God chose and it upended her life, which it did upend her life. And yes, she was poor, but she was so much more than that. Let's look at this, okay? Luke chapter 1, verse, and starting in verse 26, it tells us this. In the sixth month after Elizabeth had become pregnant, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. He was sent to a virgin. The girl was engaged to a man named Joseph. He came from the family line of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel greeted her and said, The Lord has blessed you in a special way. He is with you. Mary was very upset because of his words. She wondered what kind of greeting this could be. But the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. God is very pleased with you. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son. You must call him Jesus. He will be great 
and will be called the Son of the Most High God. The Lord God will make him a king like his father David of long ago. The Son of the Most High God will rule forever over his people. They are from the family line of Jacob. The kingdom will never end. Now Mary had a question. How can this happen, Mary asked the angel. I'm a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High God will cover you. So the Holy One that is born will be called the Son of God. Your relative Elizabeth will have a child even though she is old. People thought she could not have children. But she has been pregnant for six months now. That's because of what God, that's because what God says will always come true. Now listen to what Mary says. I will serve the Lord, Mary answered. May it happen to me just as you said it would. Then the angel left her. Man, there's some good stuff in here. First thing we find out, mighty women are called by God. Now, when we say mighty women, we're talking about all of us. The same way when we're talking about mighty men, and we're saying that those same things that applied to the mighty men or that made mighty men mighty, the same thing is true for everybody. The same is true for women. Mighty women are mighty and, and because of what God has done, but that's true for all of us. And so mighty men are called by God. Every one of us in this room have a calling from God. If you're lost, you have a calling of God on your life. You're like, what is that calling? That calling is for you to come and become a follower of Jesus Christ. For you to be a believer. For you to follow after Christ. For you to make Him your boss, your Lord, your King. And so even you, if you're lost, you have a calling on your life. But if you're a believer, like Mary, Mary had a calling on her life. Now, her calling happened in the middle of her life. She was just living life, wasn't she? Here she was. She was engaged, and the engagement at this time is different from the engagement that we have. Like, the engagement that we have, you can just, like, be engaged for, like, 20 years or something, or maybe you're just engaged for a few months, or maybe you're engaged for a year, and then it's the time for your wedding, and, you know, here, here comes the time for the bride to walk down the aisle, but she never shows up. Don't do that. That's terrible. My father all told me, he said, if you're not there, we pay for all this, somebody's getting married. <laughs> My daughter's marrying somebody, and it's not you. You know, if you're not here, it's going to be somebody. So, um, but don't, you know, here, this, this engagement was different. This engagement was so much different. It was a year-long engagement. And during that year, they were making preparations to be married. They were making preparations for the wedding. And in, in order to break off the engagement, you actually had to have a letter of divorce. In fact, you see this later, Joseph, he, he's going to put her away quietly. Like he was going to divorce her and put her away quietly because he was a good man, because he didn't believe Mary, and we can't fault him for that. Let whoever you're engaged to come here, you're pregnant, and be like, oh, it doesn't ha- he doesn't have a baby, he doesn't have a daddy. God made me pregnant. <laughs> okay, yeah, right. Um, this wedding's off. But God showed up to Joseph and revealed to him that it was just like Mary said, that she was a virgin, but that she was going to have a baby. So she was living life in the middle of this, in the middle of this engagement, and everything in her life just got turned upside down because of the call of God. Sometimes we think that God's call is an add-on or an addition to what our life normally is. Like, Like we were born and 
and, and so now we have a job and we're working and we're, we're maybe buying or building a house. Or maybe we bought one. Now we're saving up for retirement and all these things are happening. And, and, and the call of God is an addition to that, you know, after I have all those things done, then I do the call of God. And what we see in Scripture here with Mary is that the call of God interrupts our life. And, and, and it comes in and, and changes the perspective of our life. Mary, in the middle of here, she, she knew that there was going to be some explaining. I mean, y'all got me thinking about all kinds of stuff. Um, got some explaining to do. Anyway, so um, I love Lucy reference. Anyway, um, uh, but she knew she was going to have some explaining to do. She, she, also, she also knew that the people around her wouldn't understand what was going on. She didn't know if the wedding was going to be off. She didn't know if her future was going to be secure. All she knew is there was a call of God on her life. And this is not unlike the, calls of God, the call of God on other people's lives. We see it all throughout Scripture. Think about the rich young ruler. As here, here he is. He's coming to God. He's coming to Jesus. He says, what must I do to inherit the kingdom? And he said, sell everything. Jesus said, sell it all and give it to the poor. That's an interruption of life, isn't it? Like especially when he thinks that my life is all about what I have. You know, I got lots of money. And, and we know that that's what he thought his life was about because he went away disappointed. Like, like I can't do that. Now, tr- church tradition tells us that's Barnabas. So later, if that was Barnabas later, he gets it right. And so he, he's the encourager of the brethren. So hopefully that's, that's what happened. But we don't know. But think about as the disciples were being called. They had just pulled in the largest catch of their life. They just pulled in this, this boatload of fish. And Jesus said, leave it. Come follow me, leave it. Talking about an interruption of life. Like, leave it all and come follow me. The call of God is going to interrupt us. They're going to interrupt us in the middle of our life. going to interrupt our, our dreams. It's going to interrupt what we're going after, what we're searching for, what we're living life for. The calling of God is going to interrupt our life. Mighty women are called to serve the Lord. Right here, the calling that, that God has placed on her life, on Mary's life, is to serve Him. In fact, we know this is true because her statement in 38 says, I serve the Lord. So I, she's saying, I'm willing to do this because I serve the Lord. We all have to be at that place where we're willing to serve the Lord, that this life is not about ourselves, but this life is about Jesus Christ. That, that, look, that we're not worried about how big our bank account is, how big our house is, how many cars we have, how nice the cars are. We're not worried about all those things. We're worried about and we're consumed by the call of God that He's placed on us. We're consumed by that. And, and we're consumed to bring glory. That's what we're all about. As, as um, Jeremiah said, he goes, hey, I tried to shut up. I tried not to preach, but it was like a fire in my bones. I had to speak about the glories of God. Amen. And that's got to be our passion. That here, mighty women are called by God. Mighty women are called to serve the Lord. That we know that we are to serve the Lord. Our calling is to serve God. And in doing that is to serve one another. Because he said the most two important things that all the other laws hinge on is to love him and to love people. And so if we're going to love him, if we're going to serve him, we also have to serve people. 
So our, our goal in this life is to serve God and to serve people. That, that's, that's our goal. That should be. Isn't it funny how Satan twists that and changes it and makes it our goal for other people to serve us? Like so that we can have so much money and so much power that they now serve us. Totally twists it and puts it on his head. That, that we, can, we can finally get to the place where, you know, we don't have to answer to anybody. Satan, Satan takes the, the calling of God and, and, and twists it so much. And sometimes even disguises it. And I love this. And, and for, for whatever reason, I, I guess, you know, I looked at it and I was like... But in verse 30, it says that God is very pleased with you. Talk to Mary. God is pleased with you, Mary. Now, I don't know about you, but I grew up in a church where God was angry at me all the time. Y'all grew up in that church? Like God was mad at you all the time? And so when it's like God is pleased, it's like, man, Mary's special. Like, she must be the favorite. Uh, but come on, that was fun. Anybody the favorite child? Nobody? Yeah? Are you really? No? Yeah? Who else is a favorite? Let me see. Okay. Really? You're the favorite? My, my daughter raised her hand. My daughter. Okay. All right. I know. I know in this, this little group right here, I know which one's the favorite, don't we? The golden child. Anyway, so uh, I know that's true. Todd, I'm going to pick on you for a minute. I know that's true because one time his mom was here and like everybody's waiting outside and they're all talking and his mom's like, we got to wait on Todd so he can tell us where to go eat. True story. Isn't that true? True story. Don't say it's not true. True, you haven't. I know it's not either. <laughs> so, but Mary, so sometimes you read that and you think Mary's the favorite. But really what God's saying here is that he's pleased to use her. That he's pleased to use her. And the truth is, none of us deserve to be used by God. Amen. Now, now, I want you to think about this, okay? I want you to think, and, and just kind of put it, what's more holy, the Ark of the Covenant or Jesus Christ? Jesus is, yeah, that's, that's kind of a trick question. I don't know. The only reason the Ark of the Covenant is holy is because it's where the seat of God is. God made it holy. Jesus just is holy. He didn't have to be made holy. He is holy. Make sense? The Ark of Covenant had to be made holy. Because before, he was made, before it was made holy, it was just wood and gold. And, but here is Jesus. He is holy. What happened to the Ark of the Covenant if it were to ever be touched? What happened to the person? They died. They, as soon as, in fact, that's one of the strangest stories where they're taking and they're moving it. It starts to slip and somebody reaches out to catch it so it won't fall and he drops dead for a long time. I was like, that's terrible. But it just shows the holiness of God. And if the Ark of the Covenant was made holy by touching God and it was made that holy, Jesus is more holy than that. And now Jesus is going to be in Mary. It pleased God. Watch this. It pleased God to put the Holy of Holies in Mary. It pleased God to put Jesus in Mary and not kill her. We have this, look, we have this opportunity to serve God and not die. Amen. We have the opportunity because the name Jesus is above all names. And his name is so holy if we were ever 
even, really, if, if we were to say his name, we should die. That should be a death sentence because it's holy. Because that name, Jesus, was made holy by Jesus the same way the ark was made holy by Jesus. And if we, to, if we were to utter that, we should die, but we don't. Because it pleases God to use us to spread his name and his fame. Think about that for a minute. The, the, the power, and, and so for so many of us, we might even just use it as a, as a slang word. We just might just use it as an expression. And that's like using, you know, that's like using a nuclear bomb on your neighbor because he looked at you wrong. Such power, and we don't even realize it. And, and so here, it pleases God to use us. It pleased God to use Mary. He's like, I can do all this without you. It reminds me of when I was growing up and my dad was going to go do something. And, and, and you remember when you were little, you were just in the way. You weren't good for anything. The only thing you were really good for was breaking stuff. You would take things apart and not put them back together. Somebody once said you could break an anvil with a rubber mallet. You remember those days? And your daddy's going out to fix something and he's like, hey, will you come help me? And you're just going to be in the way. You're just going to be like, huh, huh, huh. you can't even hold the flashlight right because you're holding it and you see something over here and you're like, hey, you know, you're not, you're not, you're not any good at it. You're just, you're going to mess things up. He could do it in 10 minutes, but with your help, it's two hours. I mean, because you're such good help, it's two hours. Same way, same is true with God. He, he is pleased to use us knowing that we're going to mess it up. He's pleased to use us knowing that, he's, that we're going to mess this up and that His name is holy, bigger than we are, and He's still pleased to use us. That should thrill our soul that our Heavenly Father wants us to be a part of what He's doing. What He's doing. That, that we're able to come along and serve Him and serve alongside Him. Because He wants us. He's called us. We are called, or mighty women, we are called to be part of something bigger than ourselves. Mary was called to be part of something bigger than herself. Something way bigger than herself. And we are too. You know, uh, Johnny Cash fans in here? I got Johnny Cash. No Johnny Cash fans? Really? The man in black? We got a few. Yeah? Yeah? Have y'all heard his remake uh, whenever he remade Hurt? Y'all heard that? Is that a remix or a remake? I don't know. Whatever it is. You, if you've not heard it, you need to. It's a song by Nine Inch Nails, and um, Johnny Cash actually rewrote it, or, or not rewrote it, but made a remake of it. And in fact, the, the original author, uh, when he heard Johnny Cash sing it, he said, uh, it's no longer my song, because he took it, because it was just so powerful. But in that song, it talks about if you can make a kingdom for yourself. And, and it's really sad at, at some points if you listen to it and you think about Johnny Cash because he wrote this at the end of his life and it talks about how everybody he knows goes away. Talking about death. And he talks about his kingdom that he built and it's really just a kingdom that crumbles and it's a kingdom of dirt. And the truth is you can build a kingdom or you will build a kingdom. Either you're going to build your own kingdom or you're going to help build the kingdom of God. And I shouldn't really say use the word help, but we're going to be allowed to, to build the kingdom of God. That if we build our own kingdom and we're, we're trying to make it all about us, all the people that we know go away. 
Or if it's, if it's about our possessions, it's just a kingdom of dirt, ash, rust. It's just a junkyard. But if we build the kingdom of God, then it's something that lasts. It's something that, that um, will be here when we're gone. Now, we see this in the scripture. It says that his kingdom, in 32, it says that that kingdom will never end. Talk about the kingdom of Jesus. And if we build the kingdom of, of Jesus, if we are part of something bigger than ourselves, it's something that will last forever. Now, let me just ask you this, and I'm going to try to preach fast because we've got to get to the end of this because I know you want to eat dinner. Not lunch. We'll skip that. Okay. I'm just seeing who's listening. Who calls it supper? Anybody? Late night supper? Is it dinner? I call it either. I don't care. Lunch is lunch, and then it's dinner or supper, whatever you want to call it, I don't care. All right, so, um, and then brunch. I didn't know what brunch was until college. Uh, again, I, di- I, <laughs> I digress. And so, so it's, it's this idea of, of this kingdom of God that lasts forever. I want you to think about this. If you have more money than anybody that this world has ever seen, what good is it to you when you die? That's right. Come on. And really what's going to happen when you die, you really most of the time the more money you have, the more your kids are going to fight over and hate each other. You should have a goal that you spend your last dollar the day you die. That'd be great. Amen. Yeah. If you spend your last dollar the day you die, you win. Amen. It's not true. <laughs> it's not. If you have Jesus, you win. But you, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Now, what is it that you're going to leave your kids? What kind of impact are you going to have on this life? What's the footprint? What's your footprint going to look like? And even accomplishments that we have, and as I was reading over this and thinking through this this week, my children, they don't know all my accomplishments. They know some, but they're, they don't know them all, and you know, they, they probably won't remember them. And if they do, they're not just going to be set around talking to my grandkids um, about what I did. And I know my great-grandkids won't know anything about me, about the accomplishments. So all the accomplishments that I have. And then, too, I know that my great-grandchildren, because I know my, I don't know, my great-grandfather, I have no idea how much he had in the bank. I don't know. I don't know what he left my grandfather. I can't tell you. So those things really don't matter. They don't last. There's not a legacy there. But there is a legacy in the things of God because it just said here in the scripture that the kingdom of God lasts forever. The kingdom of Jesus lasts forever. And we know that. We can see that. Do you know that one time the, the gospel here as we understand it, the, the uh, preaching of Jesus crucified and resurrected, it, it started in the Middle East and it, it continued to be shared and shared and shared and the things that we do for God last forever. I, I like to think of it this way. There's a family line spiritually somewhere. Wouldn't you love to know where your spiritual line is? Like, did you come from the preaching of Paul? Could you trace that spiritual heritage all the way back? Could, could, you, could you trace it back to like Peter? Or maybe, maybe, man, this would be a cool one. I, maybe 
Maybe you come from the spiritual line. When I say the spiritual line, the woman at the well, she shared the gospel with the men at the, at the, uh, in the town there, and they get saved. Now they're telling their people and they're telling them, and all of a sudden, if you chase, traced your spiritual heritage back, you go back to the woman at the well. What, what legacy are you going to leave? Are you going to leave this, this kingdom of dirt? Are you going to leave this, this kingdom of Christ? Are you going to leave something that could affect your great-grandchildren, your great-great-grandchildren, 300, 400, 500 years if the earth lasts that long? Will what you do now affect 500 years from now? And the only way that that happens is if you are a servant to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because his kingdom never dies. And you're like, how is that even possible? Well, the Holy Spirit empowers us to do the impossible. Here's Mary. You think Mary could just be like, all right, I'm pregnant. That's not how it works. Every other time in history, other than this, it took a man and a woman. Every other time. This is the only time in history that Mary, no man is involved, just God. God and Mary. And God, uh, you know, causes Mary to be pregnant. Now listen to this, okay? So as Jesus is being born, Mary gives birth to Jesus, yes, but only because the Holy Spirit empowered her to do that. She couldn't do it on her own. She couldn't be like, I'm pregnant, I'm pregnant, I'm pregnant. Okay, I'm pregnant. The same way that God has a call on your life and is calling you to be part of something bigger than yourselves, you can't just go, I'm going to be a good teacher, I'm going to be a good teacher, I'm going to be a good, te- good teacher. Uh, I'm going to be friendly, I'm going to be friendly, I'm going to be friendly, friendly. Some of y'all need to really work on that one, okay? It's just, uh, it's, so it's, it just doesn't, but, the, but God can empower you to do the impossible. You can take the most unfriendly, the grumpiest person that you know, and, it, and the Holy Spirit can empower them and cause them to be friendly. Hey. You're like, that's not possible. I know that. I, it's possible. Right. He made a virgin have a child. He can make a grumpy person happy. And in doing so, God can then turn around and use you in so many ways to build His kingdom. Because mighty women see themselves as servants to God. Mighty women see themselves as servants to God. This is, what, this is what Mary said. I serve the Lord, Mary answered. May it happen to me just as you said it would. This is an incredible passage, incredible statement that we need to do and say to the Lord, say, I am your servant. And whatever the calling is on my life, may it happen to me just as you said it would. So let's go back to what we're talking about with servants. As we, as a church, as we look at this idea of serving one another, serving God, we all have to say, what is our part in this? Well, according to what we see here in Scripture and according to what Jesus says, that we all came here, that we all exist on this world to serve one another, to serve God and to serve one another. You're like, I don't know if I don't, I don't buy that. Listen to Matthew 23, 11. Matthew 23, 11 says, the greatest among you must be a servant. The greatest among you must be a servant. The world doesn't teach you that. And then it goes further. Matthew 20, 28, Jesus says about himself, he says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. 
Your life is about serving others. My life is about serving others. And we here, we've been working on this. We've been thinking about it. We've been praying through it. We've had a group of, of people, a team of people working through this and praying through and meeting and having late nights and having conversations. And, you know, we, we even read a book. You know we're serious. Okay. So we came to a place where we, we understand servant. If we don't provide opportunities to serve, we don't provide you with opportunities to serve, then we're not doing what we should do as a church. And here's the six reasons that we're going to offer service opportunities. One, serving helps us to become more like Jesus. Serving is an act of love. Serving is an act of worship. Serving is a sign of spiritual growth. Serving is choosing to put the needs of others before our own. And serving helps us to see others as Jesus sees them. All these things are important. A lot of times we, we, we used to judge or gauge, I may would be a better term, gauge spiritual growth by a lot of things like how many verses do you have memorized? How, many, how, many, how often do you come to church? You know, how, how, how much money do you give? Do you give every week? There's all kinds of things that used to, to gauge growth. But what, what we see here in Scripture is what gauges growth is service. And if you're not serving, you're not growing or you haven't grown. And so part of growing and showing growth is to serve. And now, now this, this gets to that place where you know, it's a little bit tricky. You're like, well, I'm not serving. I don't know where to serve. Well, we're going we're gonna to fix this, okay? We're working through lots of different places here at the church. We're working through issues. We're working through things. Man, we want to do some stuff. Like, one of the first areas that we're working on right now is our guest services. And we're going to have a meeting about that tomorrow night, and I'll tell you the morning a little bit. We're working through college stuff. We don't know what that looks like. We're trying to make it look right. We're trying to fix things. We're working through. We're, but we don't know what that all looks like. You know, very few churches have college ministries. You know why? It's hard. It's hard. It's one. And number two, what they usually do is they ignore the college students. Just go in with the youth. And then they get to a place where the youth are too small. And they're like, I'm out. And then they don't come back to church. And we don't want that. So we're trying to figure that out. What does that look like? And how can we pour into these kids? And what can we do? We're, we're trying to figure out what men's ministry looks like and women's ministry looks like. You know, and, and, and so here's where we started. And, and the next thing that uh, we started in the guest services and the next place we're going to move to and we're going to look at and we're going to try to make better because when things get better and we have more people serving, then we will get bigger. God will send people to us as we are ready to receive them. We're going to work through the guest services, then we're going to work through things like children's and nursery and preschool and youth, and we're going to get some things there. But let me tell you how guest services worked, and I'm a, uh, we're, we're, man, we're praying that we need 20 at least, at the very least, 21 people that would say, I want to be part of guest services. And that would be things like welcome people as they drive up, help them find a parking place and, 
and, and, and helping them come through the door and showing them where things are, like the bathroom, because that's important. Helping them find a seat, giving them information. And you know why this is important? Because people decide if they're coming back to church before they even walk in the door. Would you say that's important? That's huge. And we need at least that many people to come and, and be part of three teams. We're saying, all right, here's what we need. We know people are busy. We know you, that you have lives and all this. But we're saying we also, we're, we're looking for some commitment, okay? Some commitment in there. It's like, if you can serve one time every three weeks. Just one time every three weeks. Like, God doesn't need us. He could do everything on his own. But he's like a good daddy. He goes, hey, come with me. Come with me. Now, I want you to picture this, okay? I want you to imagine. I want you to think about somebody, and, and you know this person, and this may be you. So Monday morning, you woke up, and the world just looked at you and went right in the face. And then Tuesday, you wake up, and the world smacks you right in the face. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you're so tired Saturday, you lay around in the house all day, and you don't know if anybody cares about you, you don't even know if anybody noticed you, you don't know any of those, you're wore out, you're tired, there's people around you, but they don't even seem like they appreciate you, and here you are, and you're thinking, I'm going to go to church tomorrow, I'm just going to go see what it's about, because I need something, I want you to picture this. So there you are, ready to give up on everything. Trying to find hope somewhere. And you turn in this little road right here. And there's somebody right there at the door, right there as you, as you drive up, right there at the end of the parking lot. And they're happy and they're smiling. And they're like, hey, we're so glad that you're here. Is this your first time? And you're like, Yeah. You're like, well, we're so glad you're here. The first time they've heard in months or maybe weeks that somebody said that they are glad to see them. Well, let me help you find, look, if you see that guy right there, he'll help you find a parking lot, parking spot, and that person's not rude and crude. You know, we're not parking at some event. You're parking here. You know, we're not doing that. You're in the wrong spot. But we help them park. And like, we're so glad that you showed up today. If you walk through that front door right there, there's going to be some people that can help you find what you need. Or if it's raining, can you imagine this? If it's raining and here's that person helping them park and they walk up to them with an umbrella and they put that umbrella up and they walk them to the door with an umbrella so they won't get wet and nobody's taking care of them in weeks. And they get through the door and, hey, we're glad that you're here and... And, and here's the bathrooms over here. And if you have children, they're going to be over here. They can get, you know, checked in right here. We're going to have children's church. And at children's church, they'll dismiss at this time. And just giving them all the instructions and directions and just making them feel welcome. And, and we've already started this, okay? And, and, and part of it is we want people to know they're important. And you may not even have noticed this, and some of you have, but even like at the coffee bar right there, we're not putting just, you know... Uh, non-name brand stuff out. We're putting name brand stuff because people are worth it. We want them to know you're worth the good stuff. And so they get that coffee and they're making it right. I've never had the hazelnut before, you know. 
And they're making that coffee and they're drinking it. And then somebody, maybe he's right at the door and they can't find a seat. And they're like, can I help you find a seat? Yeah, I'm new here. I don't know where to sit because I don't want to take anybody's seat. And so you help them find a spot. You don't put them up front. But you help them find a spot and they get that spot. Do you think they're more ready or less ready to hear God speak? Now let me go to the other side. It's going to interrupt your life. Just like Mary, here she was, just living life, is going to interrupt. That's, that clock is going to go off early because we're going to ask you on those, on those Sundays that you serve to show up about 8.15 so that we're hoping somebody will serve and cook breakfast is what we're hoping. But if nobody does, we won't have breakfast. We'll just have some snacks. But whatever it is, we'll have it. And then we'll have a meeting and we're going to pray for all the people that are going to show up. And you're going to be tired and you're going to be grumpy and your kids are going to be upset and, you, you know, everything's going to go wrong and your battery's not going to start or, you know, it, your battery's going to go out. Everything's going to mess up and you're going to show up and you're going to be angry and it's going to be hard and then you're going to be parking and somebody's going to, and you're like being nice, park right here and they're going to be like, I don't want to park right there. And you're like, okay, I'll park you over here. I don't want to park over there. And they're going to be rude and crude to you and you're still going to have to be happy and be like, hey, we're still glad that you're here even though you're grumpy. You know why? Because hurt people hurt people. That's what they do. Right. Come on. And so, so then you, 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 you leave here and you're like, I don't even know if I made a difference. And what I would say is, you made a difference. Amen. It interrupted your life and it's a pain in the neck and you, you, nobody's going to appreciate you because nobody appreciated Mary. I, nobody in her town appreciated her. Yeah, right. God got you pregnant. But she gave birth to the Savior. So we're going to have a meeting. And this is your invitation. Tomorrow night at 7 o'clock, we're going to have a meeting for anybody who, who's like, I want to serve. Like, my God, is so good. You don't even have to, you don't have to be a member to serve. Like we're looking for people that are members to be in, in leadership positions. And, and that's just because in that, and you're like, why? Because intimacy, like leadership, intimacy demands commitment. The same way, like marriage, sex deserves commitment. And so we're just asking if you're going to lead to be a member, but anybody can serve. Anybody can serve. You're like, I don't even know if I'm a believer or not. Okay. You can park your car and you can smile. Come on. And then you can just come and you can see what God's going to do. And my prayer for you, if you're lost, that God would save you through serving other people. Tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. Now when we, oh, I'm about to, uh, y'all go ahead and stand up. I'm going to ask you as a church to do this that you would come and pray for people that would step up and serve. That people, pray that people would allow God to interrupt their life. Interrupting. That God, you would allow God, that we would allow God to give us a hardship to serve Him. That would give us a responsibility because there are some responsibilities with that. Like when, when Jesus was born, like that's not over. It's like he, he was still a baby and Mary had a responsibility 
to Jesus. And so there's some responsibility. We would take that responsibility. And that God would, because this is what we know. The scripture said that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. But Jesus went on to say this. So pray to the Lord of the harvest for workers. And that you as a church, I'm asking that you would come and pray that people would come and serve our God and serve one another. So the all, when we start to uh, sing, please, church, come and pray to the Lord of the harvest. Lord, Father, thank you that you are big, that you're mighty, that you're high, and that you let us take part in what, what you're doing. Lord, give us a desire to serve you. Give us a desire to serve one another. Lord, Father, let us understand even more our call. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You respond as the Spirit leads.